Good morning. Thank you so much for having me here this morning. I, I don't know that I've ever preached here before. You know, you get old, you forget stuff. I do know that I, I recognize a few of you, but uh, at the door afterwards, will you please tell me your name? Because there's a chance I won't remember it. I'd like to talk with you this morning about freedom. I know that was last weekend, but it's a subject that we should talk about often because it matters a great deal. For me, the greatest chapter on freedom in the whole Bible is John chapter 8. I invite you to turn to that with me, John chapter 8. While you're finding it, let me tell you that uh, this chapter opens and closes with people getting ready to throw stones at the woman caught in adultery at the beginning and at Jesus caught in blasphemy, they thought, at the end. And in between, there's a lot of mudslinging as the Pharisees attack Jesus. You read the entire chapter, and it will sound a bit like a preview of the 2016 presidential campaign. People talking past each other, misrepresenting each other, misinterpreting each other, making outrageous claims, and calling each other names. What's the debate about? Well, about one thing and one thing only. Jesus. Who are you? The Pharisees keep asking. And with a bit of a sneer in their voice, who do you think you are? Let's listen to the part of the debate that has to do with freedom. I'm going to pick it up with verse 25. Who are you? They asked. Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father, so Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's the text. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. 
I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus said, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any one of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. And it goes on and on until they reach for stones to kill Jesus. Now, people of God, as you just heard, as the debate continued on, some of the people began to believe in Jesus, sort of, in a superficial kind of way. And then Jesus walked into sacred territory when he talked about freedom. And that's when the debate really got hot, as it always does whenever anyone discusses that most precious of all human possessions. If you hold to the truth, he said to the Jews who had begun to believe in him, if you hold to the truth, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that sets off this firestorm of controversy about freedom. What it is, who has it, how to get it, how to enjoy it. We've never been slaves to anyone, bellow the Jewish leaders. Why? We are Abraham's descendants. How can you say we need to be set free? Apparently, these people had forgotten their 400 years of bondage in Egypt, their 70-plus years of exile in Babylon, and the very painful fact that even now they were under the Roman thumb. Or else, maybe they were taking the high road, and arguing that although they had, of course, at times been in some sort of political and military trouble, they had always been spiritually free. We are, after all, Abraham's descendants, part of the chosen people, set free by virtue of the fact that we are a part of God's covenant of grace. No matter what's happened to us politically and militarily, we are spiritually free 
because we are Abraham's descendants. You can almost hear them and see them fold their arms and smile smugly as they play the Abraham card. But Jesus wiped the smile off their faces pretty quickly and caused them to unfold their arms and reach for the rocks when he redefined freedom and bondage. I tell you the truth, people. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. You are caught in a captivity that Egypt and Babylon and Rome together could not impose on you. Those are, those are external powers, and you could pick up your sword and your spear and battle them and maybe get free even, even if you died physically in the process. You are in bondage to an internal power, the power of sin. The power of your own desires turned away from God. A power that can kill you eternally. Now, it, it's not that God will kill you because of your sins. It is rather that your slavery to sin will lead you into the ultimate death. Jesus' little brother, James, Put it this way in James 1, verses 14 and 15. Every one of you is dragged away by your own desires and enticed. And desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You think you're living free, Jesus says to these Jewish leaders, because you're Abraham's descendants. I tell you that you're free to die because you're all sinners. And the debate increased in intensity until they were reaching for the rocks to kill this possibly crazy and certainly blasphemous man. I'm telling you nothing new when I tell you that the debate about freedom rages on in our society today. We live in the land of the free. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights guarantee our freedom. And yet, the debate about freedom has never been more intense. Recently, we've heard the debate shaped in terms of sexual freedom versus religious freedom. Supreme Court solved it. I don't think so. That debate is going to rage on and on. And in the coming months, we're going to hear a debate about what kind of government will best enhance our freedoms. Will it be the democratic way of governing or the republican way of governing? And the debate these days isn't just political. People are fighting for freedom everywhere you look. 
People want to be free from anxiety, free from addiction, free from parental control, free from financial problems. Dave Ramsey, you listen to Dave Ramsey like I do, the Christian financial guru, encourages people to, to get after their debt with gazelle-like intensity so that someday they're able to scream, we're debt-free. So the question for each of us this morning is, are you free? Indeed, Jesus looks every one of us straight in the eye this morning and says, everyone who sins is a slave. Now those are fighting words because they seem to denigrate all the other freedoms we treasure. They were certainly fighting words to these Jewish leaders because Jesus seemed to disrespect their national heritage and their spiritual blessings. That's why they reached for the stones. These might sound like fighting words to us because they seem to downplay the freedoms for which so many have given their lives. But that's not at all what Jesus means. He means that relying on our national heritage, our ancestry, our traditions, our church membership, our laws, our, our most passionate political and moral efforts to make things better, all of that will not set us free indeed. Oh yes, some freedom for a time, but not as deep and permanent as the freedom Jesus offers. Only one thing can make us truly free, and that's this man at the center of the controversy. This outrageous, challenging, beautiful man who claims to be the Son of God. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The little word indeed is, is very interesting in the original language. It doesn't just mean really and truly. It means more like in reality or in the heart of your being. It's, the word is actually a word that means to be. You will be free in your inmost being. Not just in the external circumstances of your life, but in your inmost being. How can Jesus make us free that way? Well, let me take you back to the place where freedom was born. That, that phrase, where freedom was born, comes from a wonderful article about freedom in the Wall Street Journal several weeks ago. I, I just happened to see it. The place where freedom was born. If you ask these Jewish people where that was, they would have said, well, it was, it was back there at the Red Sea when God liberated Israel from Egypt. Or they might point further back to Ur of the Chaldees where God chose Abraham to be the first member of the covenant. 
If you ask the average American where freedom was born, nearly everybody would say, in Philadelphia. On July 4, 1776, when the Declaration of Independence got signed. Or some might say, no, it was in Washington in 1863, when President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation that set all the slaves free. The article in the Wall Street Journal pointed to a different event. It happened exactly 800 years ago last month at a place called Runnymede. Twelve fifteen. Ring a bell to any of you history buffs? There's one in the whole place. On twelve fifteen. King John of England was forced by the nobles of England to sign the Magna Carta, which gave all the people freedom under law. By signing, King John was saying, I don't get to make up the rules as I go along anymore. Freedom doesn't depend on my decree, it depends on the law, and from that signing has risen nearly all of the freedoms and rights we enjoy in our society. Uncensored newspapers, which we sometimes don't like, security of property, equality before the law, regular elections, security of contracts, jury trials. The opening of that article in the Wall Street Journal said this stunning thing. 800 years ago, on a reedy bank of a river in southern England, now get this, the most important bargain in the history of the human race was struck. I read that and I said, that's not true. As important as the Magna Carta is to Western civilization, the freedom of humanity does not depend on what was done on a reedy riverbank in southern England 800 years ago. It depends on what was done on a skull-shaped hill outside Jerusalem 2,000 years ago when the king of the universe died to set us free. On Golgotha, the most important bargain in the history of the human race, was struck. You all remember what Jesus shouted as he died. It is finished. The Greek word is tetelestai, tetelestai, which also means the debt is paid. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The gospel says Jesus paid the debt. We're debt free. And there's not one more thing anybody here has to do to earn that freedom. We sing, I will sing of my Redeemer. He paid the debt and made me free. Not one more thing you have to do to earn that freedom, but there is something you have to do 
to enjoy it. Listen again to the text. To the Jews who had begun to believe in Jesus, who had some kind of faith, who had at least a momentary mental assent to his words, Jesus said, now listen carefully, if you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Key word there is the word hold. It really means to abide. If you abide in my word, if you, if you let my words into your life, if you take up your dwelling in them, if you, if you make my words your home and live in them, then you're not just sort of believers. Then you're really my disciples. And you'll know the truth. And that truth will set you free. If you abide in my teaching, you will enjoy the freedom I earned with my blood. Did you hear what I just said? I said, if you want to be truly free, you have to be a slave to Jesus Christ. If you want to be truly free, you have to be a slave of Jesus. Now, I know that sounds just a teeny bit restrictive and not a bit like good news. So let me remind you of a scene from a delightful animated movie entitled Finding Nemo. Anybody here seen Finding Nemo? A few kids and their parents and grandkids, me. Nemo, as you might recall, for those of you who don't have a life, let me tell you that <laughs> Nemo is a little clownfish who lives in the Great Barrier Reef off Australia. He's caught by some fishermen. He's finally sold to a dentist who puts Nemo into the aquarium in his office. The other fish conspire to get Nemo free so he can rejoin his dad back at the reef. But the dentist puts Nemo into this plastic bag full of water to be given away as a gift. The climactic scene in the movie is when the bag drops onto the dentist tray and it shatters and Nemo is free from the aquarium. And he shouts, I'm free at last! Doesn't he, kids? No. He lies there flopping around on the dentist tray gasping in the air. Because, of course, freedom from the confines of an aquarium would have meant death for Nemo. Now, I know that's a little restrictive. But fish are only free when they're in the water. Because water is a fish's natural element. In the same way that oxygen is our natural, physical element element. In this text, Jesus is saying that our natural spiritual element 
is the will of God as taught by Jesus. Human beings are free indeed only when they live in the confines of Jesus' teaching. And I know nobody believes that in America today. Not even most Christians, I think. The prevailing cultural mantra is, you are free when you can do what you want. When you can pursue your desires wherever they lead, then you're free. David Brooks, in his book, The Social Animal, points to a four-year-old who wants to be free. I'm not going to do my homework anymore. I'm going to go out and play. I'm free. I'll do what I want. I'm free not to do my homework. I'm free to go out and play. Well, says David Brooks in that book, he's free, all right. Free to fail the class. And free to remain ignorant. And free to drop out of school. And free to be a failure life because he's enslaved by his own poor choices. Brooks says in his book, freedom without structure. Freedom without structure is its own slavery. To be free indeed does not mean being able to do whatever you want. It means being willing and able to do what Jesus commands. It's not the 4th of July anymore, but uh, we ought to continue to celebrate our national freedom. It's, these things are a gift from God. And we ought to engage passionately in the debate about freedom going on in our society. It matters a lot. But God's greatest gift to us is Jesus Christ. And what matters most is trusting in him as Savior and obeying him as Lord. There are lots of claims to truth out there. We hear them all day, every day. Jesus says, my words are the truth. The words of Jesus are the land of the free and the home of those who are brave enough to actually live in them. I invite you all this morning to make your own declaration of independence by saying, Jesus is my Lord, and I'll follow him wherever he leads, even if everybody else is doing whatever they want. Because if the Son sets you free, you will be free Indeed. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you for your sacrifice that paid our debt and set us free. And we praise you for the words you spoke so that we could know in person the will of God that keeps us free. Help us, Lord Jesus, to trust you and obey you, for there is no other way to be free. 
Thank you for our country. Thank you for the freedoms we enjoy here. Thank you for the process by which we can pursue those freedoms. As we live as free Americans, make us even more Christians who are free in Jesus so that we can be a witness to our country and call all people to declare that Jesus is Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite all the musicians to come forward and lead us in our closing worship. <laughs>